With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. All right, Greg Cosell, five minutes live in Los Angeles. It's The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Julian Edelman next hour and Greg Cosell in five minutes. If you bet football, fantasy football, want to hear about the Super Bowl, some thoughts about the games this past weekend, Greg Cosell is great. So, J-Mac, this is a really great quarterback draft, they say. And uh, as a sports talk show host, we like to pick sides. I think it's fun. I was like, Baker's overdrafted. I, I think I was right, although I've always thought he's an NFL franchise. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I thought he was overdrafted. I was right on uh, the kid in New York, Zach Wilson. I didn't like Daniel Jones. I did like Sam Darnold whiff there, but it's fun. I like to take a side. You do too. Yeah, like, nobody, like, wants, nobody wants shows up to watch Colin Cowherd sit on the fence and not pick a side. They want you to dig in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Alex Smith was in Kansas City with Andy Reid, um, and Brett Veach, the GM, uh, brought in a tape of Patrick Mahomes. Here's the story. I think Patrick had just finished his freshman year at Texas Tech, and I can remember Veach coming in, and he was Brett Veach, who is now, for everybody out there, he is the GM of the Chiefs. He's a you know, huge responsibility for taking Patrick and moving up. He was in love with Patrick after his freshman year. I remember him coming in. We all, it was a great relationship there. He came in the QB room. He's like, you guys got to see this guy. Like, da, 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 da. like, cause we would always talk ball, you know, talk college football and different stuff. And he had his eyes on him for a long time. I'll say that. And so did Andy. So to me, it's very interesting. I'm going to give you who I believe are the four most physically gifted quarterbacks in the league. 
So they've got the size. They're all over six feet tall. Um, they can all move. Some move better than others. They can all move. Most of these guys have power arms. I think it's Mahomes, Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Herbert. And you're pushing back a little on Herbert. I'll get to that in a second. But all four of those were doubted. None were number one picks. And all four had an issue out of college. Lamar ran too much. Josh Allen was inaccurate and wild. Mahomes, similarly, wild, out of control. Herbert was mechanical. What it tells you is none of them were finished products. In fact, I would say Allen and Lamar were considered, even Mahomes to a degree, were considered very raw. Herbert wasn't. He had a lot of starts, but he was considered, again, mechanical. Um, of those four I listed, the one you're really pushing back on is Herbert. Why? Because he's the only one who's never had a B-plus to an A coach. And I've learned doing this for a living, where they land will eventually decide their success. Even Patrick Mahomes, had he gone number one to Cleveland and his first coach was Hugh Jackson, his next was Greg Williams. You think he's winning Super Bowls? I don't. I think he's winning games. I don't think he's winning Super Bowls. So when we talk about Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels and Drake May and Michael Penix and J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix, I want to see where they land and I want to see who their first head coach is. Andrew Luck is one of the few that I think was talented enough to overcome. Bad roster, not the right GM, miss on a coach. Elway may have been as the second one. The first and then Luck's the second one. In that order. But, um, you know, as we speculate, as we speculate how these guys are going to do, I said earlier, Jay Mack and I agreed, if Drake May goes to Washington, I think it does feel a little like Houston, a sharp defensive coach, cap space, some wide receiver talent, and a winnable division. Let's be honest, Dallas loses Quinn, lame duck Mike McCarthy year, they're getting older in key spots, so is Philadelphia, is Nick Sariani the right guy? So I think... Caleb Williams for the Bears has the talent, but can he overcome Matt Eberflus, some of the poorest owners, a shaky front office, an inability by a franchise for 75 years to develop a star quarterback? Drake May may not be as naturally gifted, but the Washington thing feels like cap space, good receivers, San Francisco connection GM, experienced Super Bowl game head coach, Good weapons on the outside, winnable division. That sounds like it could work. Where they land, I think it's about 90% of the game. Let's bring in Greg Cosell, 44 years NFL Films. So I, I said this. Watching Baltimore's offense, to me, was staggeringly disappointing. It would be like the small ball Warriors going to the playoffs with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and saying, you know what, we're going to slow it down. And we're going to post it up. We're going to post it up for the next series. Yeah. What do you... I mean, Gus Bradley's first carry was 15 yards. He didn't get another one until the second half. Gus Edwards, what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a couple of things surprised me. Number one, um, they decided... And again, this is why I wish I could be involved in, in understanding the process. Because this is what these guys do 16 hours a day. So clearly, Todd Monken and staff 
decided that they were going to go into this game and play a much higher percentage of what we call 11 personnel, three wide receivers on the field. That's not what they had done right. pretty much all season. Right. They had been one of the lowest percentage teams playing three wide receiver personnel. They'd been built on playing a lot with Patrick Ricard, a lot with two tight ends. Um, now, maybe Mark Andrews, who did play, but maybe they, they put a, a snap count on him. They didn't feel he could play a lot of snaps. But they played 63% of their snaps out of 11 personnel. And that was interesting. Now, the other factor, and again, people will say, well, that doesn't matter. But the Chiefs clearly aligned defensively to sort of take away the run to some extent. They played a lot of five-man fronts early, a lot of what we call reduced fronts where you had three defensive linemen all in tight. So they were trying to force them not to run the ball. Now, again, people can say they should have run it. Maybe they should have. But I think that they clearly felt that in this particular matchup that was not the best way to play. Because they lost, it's easy to say that was wrong. Patrick Mahomes' first couple of drives moved it up and down the field. Yeah. Te teams have struggled. Quarterbacks who are good struggled all year with this Ravens defense. What did Mahomes do in the first couple drives? It was all quick game stuff. They didn't push the ball down the field at all. In fact, for most of the game, they didn't do that at all. It was all quick game, get the ball out, not allow the, the pass rush of the Ravens to be a factor, not expose their offensive tackles at all. So they, they just got the ball out quick, combined that with some Pacheco runs, and they just they, they were able to get the ball down the field and, and, and score. Um, obviously, after that, they really had a hard time because they could not protect and the run game became less of a factor. You know, they only had, up until that Valdez scaling 32-yarder, yeah. Colin, that, you know, wrapped up the game, they only had 66 yards of total offense in the second half. Right. They could not protect at all. Um, and then Mahomes was running for his life quite a bit in the second half. And when you combine that with the fact that the run game totally dried up, they just had no offense in the second half whatsoever. Travis Kelsey, uh, considering his age, the surgeries, um, I thought was special. How valuable is he? What can the Niners do anything? How valuable is he to the offense? Well, he's obviously extremely valuable. Um, he's obviously valuable both within the structure of what they do uh, because they run certain route concepts and combinations where it's clear that he understands zone coverage extremely well. He understands how to settle into voids, and they're going to get a lot of zone, by the way, from the 49ers. But the other thing, too, as we know, is his ability to react to Mahomes when he moves is, is absolutely critical. But that first touchdown that, that he caught to end the first drive, I mean, that was about as good as it gets. I mean, we're looking at it right now. That was just silly execution on both sides. I mean, Kyle Hamilton had great coverage. It was just beautiful. But he's obviously a key piece of what they do. And, uh, you know, I think the thing, I think, with, with Kelsey, when you're defending him, particularly when Mahomes moves – you need to keep your eyes on Kelsey. I know it's easier said than done, but you just need eyes on Kelsey. You can't take your eyes off him. Somebody has to get eyes on Kelsey to mirror him when he moves. So Mike McDaniel just got the Seattle Seahawks job. He's the defensive coordinator, yeah. was for McDonald. Uh, he's going to go to the Seahawks. He's one of these very, very good young coordinators on the defensive side. So I, my question here uh, with McDonald is, what did he do? So the Chiefs only got, let me look this up, three total points over their last nine possessions. So San Francisco could be looking at that defensive game plan and scheme, and the Niners could be looking at it going, 
because they couldn't move the ball in the end. So what did that coordinator do with that talent to basically shut down the Chiefs in their final nine possessions? Yeah, well, there was a lot of physical element to it as well where they just dominated up front. I mean, it was a game, for instance, where Trey Smith, the right guard for the Chiefs, who's a very good player, had a poor game. He did not block very well. And Justin Matabuke had numerous snaps in which he controlled him. Um, And then the other factor in that game with the run game in particular was they just could not get an offensive lineman to the second level with the proper timing to block Queen and to block Smith because you probably saw Smith and Queen seemed like they were filling gaps yep. right at the line of scrimmage yep. and nobody was getting a body on them. So, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily tactical in that sense, but they were able to control physically the line of scrimmage. So let's go San Francisco, Detroit. So again, Kansas City is going to be looking at that first half with the Lions and they're saying, yeah. wow, they mauled that Niner defensive front seven. So what did the Lions do? And again, did. Could this just be personnel? Panay Sewell. Uh, I mean, they have a very good alignment. Was it more personnel or were there schemes that Detroit used to effectively dominate the line of scrimmage in the first half against the Niners? Well, normally, when you run the ball well, it's not necessarily sexy, Colin. I mean, I I remember looking earlier this week at those first two, three possessions by the Lions, and they were just moving the interior of the 49ers defensive line. Versus players we consider to be good right, players. Right. Hargrave, Armstead, Kinlaw. They were moving them off the ball, particularly with double D teams. A lot of what we call duo concepts. Two inside double teams. And they were pushing them back into the lap of the linebackers. And no matter how good Warner, and he's the best backer in the game, but no matter how good Warner and Greenlaw are, when you have your own defensive tackle sitting in your lap, it is hard to play. So they physically handled them. The other thing, they couldn't generate any pass rush at all, the Niners. They did in the second half, and they made an adjustment. But in the first half, they generated no pass rush whatsoever, and that allowed the rhythm and timing pass game of the Lions to be really effective. Um, One of the reasons uh, the young offensive coordinator for the Lions stays in Detroit and doesn't take, like, the Washington job, I think, is because he knows your success in this league is largely connected to your O-line and your quarterback. And Jared Goff is very, very good. You can have all those other weapons. If you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't work. When you watched him against the Niners, I think mostly, Greg, we know who the great quarterbacks in this league are, and we know who the backups are. But there's always been this pushback on Goff because I think he got a lot of blame in L.A. and Stafford wins a Super Bowl. But I, I, my eyes tell me he throws one of the better balls in the league. What did this NFC Championship matchup show you about Goff? I thought Goff played pretty well. I think, Colin, the reason Goff is not talked about very much is we're in an era where people, rightly or wrongly, and this is a worthy debate is Goff is not a second reaction movement player. Right. He's a pocket quarterback. Yeah. He's not going to make those special plays outside the structure of your offense, as so many of the so-called great quarterbacks now in the league do. He's not that guy. So he needs the good offensive line. He needs the system. But he throws as pretty a ball as there is. And by the way, as you know, he did not play poorly in this game. I mean, there were drops in this game That's right. that were really poor. Yeah. That, that may have changed the game. Um, so 
you know, but Goff is not, you know, Goff is kind of the old school pocket quarterback, and not a lot of people talk about those kinds of guys in glowing terms these days. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it's interesting. J-Mac and I have gone back and forth on Purdy, and I think I have undervalued his playmaking ability, but in five of the eight playoff quarters I have watched him, he's been outplayed by Jordan Love and Goff, whereas Mahomes, yeah. doesn't, Mahomes doesn't get outplayed by anybody for 12 quarters. So I look at Purdy, and I think to myself, I like him. But I watched Jordan Love out play him for three quarters and Goff out play him for two. What does the tape say? How much of this is his talent and how much of it's scheme and players? Well, first of all, I think every team is scheme and players to a larger extent than people want to talk about. But to be fair, based on tape study, I don't think Purdy has played really well in the two playoff games. I think that he's missed a lot of clean, defined throws by not turning it loose. And I couldn't tell you why that is. Only he could tell you that. And I think that's going to have to change in two weeks. Um, but he obviously made some plays with his legs, which were unexpected. He's not a bad athlete. He's not an explosive athlete, but he's not a bad athlete. And he got out of the pocket and made some plays. But their offense is built on sustaining efficiency. Their big plays in the pass game don't come from him driving the ball down the field. They come more from from yards after catch, quick game throws, rhythm timing throws. And if he's not making those throws, which he has not done with the same regularity that he did through this regular season and even going back to last year, then their their offense just doesn't look quite the same. He's going to have to make those throws. All right, your big play of the week includes Purdy and the Niners tight end. Yeah, and this was actually an important play. This was a 28-yarder to George Kittle. We can take a look at it. And it was a second and nine play. And uh, the Lions played man coverage here. And actually, this was a play that gave pretty answers versus both man and zone. It was that kind of concept. So we're going to take a look at it here. As I said, it is second and nine. So what you're going to see here is Brock Purdy. He is in the gun. And what do the Niners line up in a high percentage of the time? 21 personnel. Two backs, a tight end, and that's Juszczyk in a tight end position and Kittle in a stacked position. Now, here's the route concept. It's basically flood. It's a three-level stretch. It gives you answers versus man and zone. Now, here, the Lions chose to match up in man coverage. And remember, Kittle is stacked, so he's going to be able to re release freely into his route. He's running the intermediate route. But the outside receiver, Samuel, he's going to run vertically and lift the corner. And there's the underneath route by Juszczyk. He's going to go into the flat. And that leaves Kittle one-on-one -on -one with the safety, Melon Fonwu. And he runs a great route. And this is one of those cases where the throw was presented and was clearly defined. And Purdy made it, got the ball to Kittle, and he had room to run after catch. It was a big play for 28 yards. Yes, it was. Greg Cosell, we'll talk to him in a week as always. Greg, appreciate you stopping by the show and giving us some clarity on stuff. Thank you. All right, Colin, appreciate it. I look forward to next week. It's interesting, you and I talked about this. If Mahomes loses the Super Bowl, he's got an out. He literally has one receiver, San Francisco has better players, and he's already proven he's the best quarterback in the league. It is interesting in terms of interesting. It's more interesting, big picture, if San Francisco loses with a perception of a better roster and Purdy doesn't play particularly well, which, by the way, the Chiefs defense is much better than Green Bay's and better than Detroit's. So Green Bay's defense in Detroit, statistically, this is not a, this is not a hot take.
Kansas City's defense is much better than Detroit's and Green Bay's. Mm-hmm. And they have given Purdy problems in five of the eight quarters. So if Purdy loses and they shut him down like they did with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Tua, mm. what does San Francisco do? Colin, um, I'll be honest. I, I really like you, man, as a person. Blow like when you, out coming. When you say this stuff, I just it gets me excited because I know we're going to have another fun discussion on Purdy. And I, I, I like how you are just like digging in and, and Brock Purdy. Hey, if they lose, questions about Purdy. If, what about if they win? What, what, what then? If Brock Purdy takes down Patrick Mahomes, does it mean anything? Or is it, well, they have McCaffrey and Shanahan and Debo and Ayuk and Warner and oh. So like there's zero. How does Brock Purdy get any credit in the Super Bowl if the if 49ers If he win? plays great for four okay, quarters. Okay, define great. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Uh, 23 of 28, two touchdowns, no picks, and a couple scrambles. By the way, otherwise known as every Mahomes game okay. ever. Yeah. Well, what if he's 20 of 40, 197, Three two picks. picks, and a touchdown, but he has the game-winning drive and the 49ers win 17-13? Then what? Then you clearly have a quarterback who is being elevated by the players who are aging and you can't keep them. McCaffrey, three straight fourth-quarter comebacks. And it doesn't matter. It's all it's everybody but the quarterback. The question I is, just love this why stuff. are you always having to come back from less talented teams? Why are you always... Because the Chiefs defense just locked up Josh Allen. Right. And, and, and um, Lamar Jackson, the MVP, right. couldn't do jack squat until garbage time. It, this is just so fun. Because you know who's watching? Cam Newton's watching. And he's thinking, oh, Cowherd's got him. Cowherd's got him. Boxed into a corner. We got McIntyre. You don't ever have me. <laughs> Trust me. The, uh, the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy has been excellent this season. Now, Patrick Mahomes had the worst season of his career. We would agree. The numbers show that. Yeah. But he's been nails in the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. why the Super Bowl is so freaking fantastic. It is. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. You know, as the host of the number one rated Polly and Tony Fusco show, we get tons and tons of fan mail every day. Piles of it. In fact, Tony, why don't you open up one of those letters right now and read what's inside? Yeah, listen to this. Dear Polly and Tony, your sports takes are the dumbest and most well, terrible. Well, wait, not that wait, one. Wait, Open this other one. Dear Paulie and Tony, you suck more than anyone. No, not that w- one. Wait. Try this one. Dear Paulie and Tony, you guys are the absolute best. There you go. At coming up with the stupidest takes possible. You know what? Possible. Just forget, what know what? forget this. Just listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Julian Edelman, who has been money for this show, will be joining us in the final hour of the show. J-Mac just told me during the break, a very tasty NBA topic. May have to do it for tomorrow. I think Jim Harbaugh's on the show tomorrow. I'm a new Chargers coach. Is Harbaugh Jim. in studio? Because that's big. Well, he's, he's busy. He's just not, can't be in every studio. Yeah, but he's moving out here. We could help him find some real estate in the South Bay, no? Well, I think he can do that. He's got a realtor. <laughs> he's got J- people. Yeah, J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. Um, the Dan Quinn news was big to start the show. Commanders are making him their head coach. Uh, he's been with Dallas the last three years. Before that, he was in Atlanta for almost six years before getting canned. They did go to the Super Bowl in 2016. I, I, a lot of people in Washington seem kind of down on this. I'll just remind them. His familiarity in the division is massive. Yeah, I, I think this is a big win. Listen. This is a very potentially chaotic division. McCarthy and Sirianni and Brian Dable could be in trouble next year if they're struggling before Thanksgiving. So you could you could be the coach with the best staff and the most continuity and Drake May. Quarterback on the rookie deal. Yeah, no, uh, this, this is build, yeah. yeah, I think it's actually it, it it's uh, five of the eight coaches are defensive coaches. That's not where I would have gone, but I think Dan knows what he's doing. He's remember, a smart guy. I they I'll got be, that draft pick from from Montez Sweat, so they have an early second as well. Like this is very interesting to see who his offensive coordinator is. Keep your eye on some West Coast names, potentially. So the Chip Kelly one is super spicy. Um, Somebody else floated to me, this uh, 49ers passing game specialist, Kubiak, his youngest son. Um, He's currently in San Francisco. If he's coaching Brock Purdy to glory with that passing game, like, uh, listen, this is an attractive job. Good market, right? Listen, one one of the things that's fun about our job is um, we thought Houston was just going to be a mess forever, and I didn't think C.J. Stroud could overcome just the nonsense of Houston. Well, it ended up D'Amico Ryans was unbelievable as a coach. C.J. Stroud's better than we thought, and they nailed some free agent pickups in the draft. This, similarly, is one of those hires that, uh, yeah, whatever. It's potentially, if Drake may can play, 
It's a real job in, um, a, in a division that's going to seem very winnable very quickly with some impending chaos at the coaching spot. And just remember, we, we do this all the time. Every year, somebody goes worst to first uh, in the division. Uh, Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield were an afterthought last year coming into the season. They were supposed to be selling parts at the deadline. They made the playoffs. These things happen. I like the. I think this is a good hire for Washington. All right. Uh, next up, Caleb Williams expected to be the number one pick in the draft. He's had some incredible highlights throughout his college career. Very confident in his abilities at the next level. He even compared himself to, oh boy, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Everybody watching Patrick and sees all the cool things he can do. Um, I always said, even in high school, um, that I don't think there's anything, obviously it's special, but I don't think there's anything that I can't do that he's doing out there. So, um, you know. I think it's really cool, like I said. Uh, I, always, I have comparisons of a bunch of other people, uh, so to have Patrick is pretty cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think this is what NFL general managers are saying. People may not like that he says it, but that's what everybody I'm talking to is saying. That he is, he is, in fact, they say he's a sturdier, at this point, a little sturdier and more refined Patrick Mahomes. But he's, he's ahead of Patrick Mahomes in terms of coaching and being ready to play right out of the chute. So I don't, I don't think that is wacky. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be as productive and get an Andy Reid. You, I get Matt Eberflus, you get Andy Reid. That's a what? big part of Patrick's success. Listen, he's a college kid. I'm not coming off the top rope here, but um, what's that line you always say you want your quarterbacks to be senatorial? Quarterbackial. Quarterbackial. There are some, I will say this, because I'm a kind of connected to this whole mm-hmm. Caleb thing. I know you're sitting on some stuff. I am sitting on some stuff. I think there are some concerns in NFL circles that dad has a little too much say in power. There's worry that they're not going to hire an agent. Now, Lamar Jackson didn't, and it was fine. Um, oh, was it? <laughs> well, it wasn't perfect, but it worked. He made, he got his He got his paycheck. Um, it's not ideal. You'd like to have a real agent. Um, there, there's some concerns here that uh, dad's a little too involved. Now, dads are very, very involved in high school and college quarterbacking. So that's just part of the new world we live in. But I, I still contend, you're going to think I'm nuts here. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up. Because Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. He's from the D.C. area. I think Dan Quinn is considered the big concern for Caleb Williams, and you have to admit this. Where you land matters. Chicago has never developed a star quarterback. Mm. And your first coach matters. You think Eberflus is going to be there five years? No. Okay, what if uh, Washington hires Cliff Kingsbury? Is that attractive for Caleb Williams? Like, I, I don't know. But I'm telling you, so Caleb, if Caleb went to Washington, he knows for four years he's got the same staff overwhelmingly. Same head coach. Same system, mostly. Kingsbury, if he went there, keep your eye on that. We'd get paid a lot. He wouldn't go anywhere. Plus, Kingsbury would not leave Caleb Williams. If you go to Chicago, it's almost guaranteed that by the second year, you have a whole new system, whole new playbook, whole new staff. I think there's a power play potentially going to be made that Caleb's like, I'm not going there. Yeah. And Washington moves up. By the way, they could give Chicago draft capital and some players. They've got an interior D lineman, a receiver, maybe they can move, and some draft capital. You yeah. just move it up one spot. So um, I, I, I just think there's a lot of things 
people around Caleb are sitting on. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I like him a lot. I've met his dad. But there are people that are concerned. Now, sometimes these these teams are concerned about stuff because it's not going their way. Yeah. You, you know, and I know this. Like, corporations, they want to control stuff. Yes. And with Caleb, you're not going to control everything. No. John Elway, Eli Manning, their dads paid a big factor in it. John's like, I'm not going there. And Eli's like... Archie's like, nope, we're not going to the Chargers. What if I told you um, that, I'll say hypothetically, a streaming network was going to Caleb Williams saying, hey, we'd love to chronicle your draft process and make it a 10-part series yeah. for Apple or Amazon. And he and he said, yeah, let's do that and signed off. Is that the kind of thing you would, like, how would you feel about that? I'm just um, I don't love that. I, I always would rather have my quarterbacks be stars before they're treated like them. Um, I thought Baker did too many commercials. I will say, Bill Parcells used to have a rule. Don't draft celebrity quarterbacks. It's too late. The world's changed. Social media All changed. these guys are celebrities. I mean, they, let me tell you something. J.J. McCarthy, you know, like, he's getting talked about. Michael Penix, Caleb. They're, they're all, I mean, Jaden Daniels, they're all social media stars. Uh, here's the thing. Remember when McVay came out and said, I'm playing none of my starters in the preseason? And everybody in the league, uncomfortable with this new brash kid, said, you're wrong. Then he goes 8-0 to start the season, and now everybody copies him. People in power are uncomfortable with new things if they don't agree with them or they're not used to them. So Caleb Williams is doing nothing in nothing that different than what John Elway and Eli Manning did. Eli Manning, did. yeah. He tried to call It's been shot. done twice, and it, by the way, it worked for Elway and it worked for Eli. I think Caleb Williams, rightly so, is saying, I don't trust this coach, this front office, this ownership. You've never developed a quarterback. Washington has. Washington got to a Super Bowl with Billy Kilmer. <laughs> They've had Sonny Jerkinson. They've had Joe reference. Theismann. They've had Doug Williams. They've had they've, Mark, Mark Griffin. They've had many successful quarterbacks. If I was Caleb Williams, I think this is something that I would want to discuss with my agent and my parents. I want to go to Washington. I don't trust Chicago. That's why Elway and Eli Manning, they didn't trust the operations that had the pick. And they were right in both instances. The young quarterback was right. Interesting months ahead. Uh, final story, Kirk Cousins rehabbing the Achilles injury. He wants to continue playing, but is a free agent this year. Spoke about what he's looking for in the next phase of his career. I certainly want to play a few more years of football. I'm hoping that the remaining years left before me, I won't be sitting around watching playoff football, but that I'll be playing playoff football. Certainly winning is a huge priority. Let me throw one at you. Defensive coaches like quarterbacks that keep it in the fairway, don't make mistakes, don't ad-lib too much. Atlanta's not paying anybody on offense. Raheem Morris, Kirk comes in, easy to coach. Doesn't ad lib, plays the system, a lot of good offensive pieces. Kirk Cousins in Atlanta is very interesting. Okay, to me. Uh, can I fire back? Please. Um, now, Sean Payton did well with an old Drew Brees. Remember? Really managed him well, middle of the field, quick passes, extended so his pay career. Kirk and Russell's contract? No, no, no. Russ is, Russ is gone. Who was sitting here? The other, was it Jordan Schultz said yeah. Russ is gone or yeah. Rear? Move on from Russ in some capacity, and you somehow figure out a way to get Kirk Cousins. Now, never forget this. Raheem Morris was in D.C. when they drafted Kirk Cousins. Mm. So Kirk's not going to ad-lib. Defensive coaches don't want quarterbacks running around too much, right? They, they, they tend to, like, run the football, play good defense. He'd be the best quarterback in that division. Instantly. He doesn't have a huge market. You'd probably get a decent price. You're not paying Bijan. 
You're not paying Drake. You're not paying Kyle Pitts. O-line's very good, so Kirk needs a good O-line like Goff. He's not a runaround guy. He needs a solid front. He has it. Raheem Morris knows him. You taking Kirk Cousins off the Achilles or Justin Fields in Atlanta? Well, Kirk Cousins has been much more successful quarterback. He's coming off an Achilles. He's older, and he's probably going to want like 38 to 40-something million dollars. I'd give him 34. Take it or leave it. There's no mar- what, what's the? There's a market, but it's not a big one. Fields or Cousins is going to be interesting. Because Fields is still cheap. What would you do? I don't know what he's going to look like. A, a guy who was never mobile in the first place coming off an Achilles. That's fair. No, that's fair. I would lean Fields. But All I'm right. a little higher on Fields than you. Remember, he's got a robust market of 10 teams. No, you had, you had 70% of the league lining up for him. Bidding for him. Bidding war. I said a couple teams will want him. You had a couple dozen teams will want him, if I recall. Uh, J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Line. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. You know, as the host of the number one rated Polly and Tony Fusco show, we get tons and tons of fan mail every day. Piles of it. In fact, Tony, why don't you open up one of those letters right now and read what's inside? Yeah, listen to this. Dear Polly and Tony, your sports takes are the dumbest and most but, terrible... But wait, not that wait, one. Wait, why? Open this other one. Dear Paulie and Tony, you suck more than anyone... No, not that wait, one. Wait. Try this one. Dear Paulie and Tony, you guys are the absolute best... There you go. ...at coming up with the stupidest takes possible. You know what? Possible. Just forget you what those clowns say. Just listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... 
actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The NASCAR season starts Sunday at 8 Eastern with the Clash at the Coliseum. And on February 18th, it's the most iconic day in all of motorsports. The Daytona 500 with Dwayne The Rock Johnson serving as Grand Marshal only on Fox. So apparently this is a trending or a big deal on the interweb today that there's a picture of Patrick Mahomes with his shirt off. And he's got what they call a dad bod. Well, he is married with kids, so he is a dad officially. And he's getting a lot of crap for his body, which is uh, looks like, you know, he's got a little bit of a gut there. And uh, he said, Mahomes <laughs> answered the critic. He goes, like, I got kids. Um, there's also, you know, Brady famously, you know, Tom's body now, he's pretty chiseled up. Uh, and for the record, a lot of guys, as they age, eat better and work out a lot. So you're seeing increased. I see it a lot at the gym now. There's more and more guys in their 50s are like working out and in great shape. So Brady's body was sort of legendary, legendary at the uh, the combine. He just looks very sad. He he look he looks like um, he just wants somebody to draft him. Uh, and then there's a recent picture of Josh Allen. Um, and he's certainly not out of shape, but uh, looks like a big guy to me. Remember, he's 6'6", 250, but people are like, you know, he doesn't look. Folks, I don't want my quarterback doing a lot of reps on the bench press. I want him doing reps in the film room. I don't want Will Levis's body. In fact, I had multiple general managers push back saying he's more infatuated with his gun show than film. I don't like ripped quarterbacks. I want fluidity, pliability. I want you to be smart, coachable. Of the traits I'm looking for, abs is not in the top 20. In fact, I would be concerned, and I was with Will Levis, when I thought he was too body-obsessed. I had a general manager, one of the best in the league, that could not stand the sleeveless shirt that he wore at one of the workouts. He's like, he's showing off his body. Show off your movement. Show off your judgment. Don't show off your guns. The biggest, best quarterbacks in league history. Tell me one that's ripped. There isn't one. Tell me one great quarterback league history that's ripped. What about Cam Newton? He's very ripped all over he's the internet. He's not an all-time great quarterback. Oh. He never had back-to-back winning See, I mean, he was a great talent. Tell me a great all-time quarterback. Bradshaw, let's go way back to the 70s. Stabler, Bradshaw, Fouts, Montana, Young, Favre, Rodgers, Marino, Elway, Aikman. I mean, now, what's interesting, and Troy would probably, Troy's more ripped now than he was. Troy's in great shape, so he's taking care of himself. Every time I see Troy, he's got a big water bottle. I mean, he's in really good shape, but it's like, 
The truth is, most of the old ones weren't because we didn't have that sort of um, nutritional standard. Guys were eating, you know, fast food half the time. But guys aren't ripped today. Okay, but be honest. When you think of Patrick Mahomes eluding all these defenders, making all these amazing plays, you didn't think he looked like that with his shirt off, did you? Close to it. I mean, I know he's a quarterback, but you that know, doesn't Trent mean he should Dilfer eat five told, quarter pounders a Trent, week. Trent, like, I'll never forget this. When I covered the Buccaneers years ago, years ago, I went into the locker room, and Dilfer was the quarterback. And it was a practice. So he played on Sunday, and it was the Wednesday. It was Tuesday or Wednesday was the day the media got to talk to the players. Trent had scar rips all over his body. Fingernail clash. And I was like, bro. Because he usually, Trent usually had a shirt on. So Trent had just kind of gotten out of the shower. He was all kind of toweled up, and he had a shirt off. Trent had scratches all over his body. And, and I reminded him of, of that. It was like his first or second year in the league. And I, years and years later, I reminded him of that. He said, Colin, the first thing I tell quarterbacks, get some pudding. Eat. <laughs> you do not want abs. You're going to get banged up, and you're going to be landing. You don't want to be bony. You don't. I mean, that's one of the things that worried me. I love Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm like, he's too thin. Bryce Young looks small. Too uh, by, by the way, what did Lamar Jackson do his second year in this league? Bulk up, yeah. Dude, he got traps. Jalen Hurts. Oh, my God. Yoked. Tyler Murray. Russell Wilson, people think now is too heavy. These guys get, they, they, they yoke up. They, 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 Trent said it. He goes, you want pudding. Have a second burger. Well, I mean, I, but that doesn't mean Mahomes should eat a fifth burger. Like, honestly, he does look, Colin, he's got a little belly there. Like, that's shocking to me. You, you're not that surprised by that? I mean, every key play, he's outrunning Ravens linebackers. Roquan Smith is jacked. First Patrick of all, Queen does he look beast. overweight to you? He looks incredibly fluid to me. I mean, you know. You... By the way, I don't oh, even yeah. like my quarterbacks to be f- too fast. Like, Lamar sometimes, I think it's a disadvantage. Too fast? Well, yeah, because... If you're gifted in life speed as a quarterback, you're going to almost naturally want to run. Like, I think Josh Allen sometimes, like, why go to a third progression? I'm going to go run. I don't want my quarterback running like three times a game. Josh will run eight. So I think sometimes if you're given a gift in life, we're all human, you'll use it. It's the old, if you're born with a great singing voice, you'll sing in the car, you'll sing in the shower, you'll sing at work, because God gave you a great voice. And so if you're – one of the things that worried me about Lamar was, well, God, in high school and college, anytime he got into trouble, he just ran. And I'm like, that's not going to last in the NFL. So Lamar's second year in the NFL, dude got yoked. And every year he looks a little bigger. Mm. So I just show the body again. It doesn't bother me at all. I also think – I've gone to the gym my whole life. I went yesterday. I go to the gym five days a week. And whenever you go to the gym, most people have normal bodies, but you always see these guys that are, like, really jacked. And I don't go to what you call the classic lift gym. It's sort of an affluent area. It's like dad's tennis. You go to the gym. You're not going to Gold's Gym in no, Venice no, no. Beach? But when I would go to Gold's Gym years and years ago, and they're like 75% of the guys were yoked. Yeah, they're on stuff. Come on. Well, whatever they're on, they're not athletes. No. They're just yoked. I'll never forget working at ESPN the first time I worked with Teddy Bruschi. He doesn't have a neck, does he? So Teddy Bruschi is one of the great college players I've ever seen in, in the Pac-12. Unblockable desert storm. He goes to New England. Tough rock. He goes to work at ESPN, and Teddy's a great guy. Really, really great guy. He looked like an accountant. <laughs> he had a briefcase. I mean, he looked like an accountant that worked out. Right. And I'm like, that's, that's the unblockable Teddy Bruschi? And if you talk to players who face Bruschi, they're like, dude, 
instinctive, knew where the play was going, great leverage, trunky, really good in the hips. You start talking to people what made him great, and what made him great was brain, leverage, hands, twitchy, quickness, reading the play. So much of this stuff. There's so few guys as gifted as Ed Reed or Ronnie Lott. A lot of these guys, the film junkies win. They know where you're like Fred Warner's legendary. Fred Warner, the Niners, is legendary for like knowing where you're going. Now, Fred's super talented. But a lot of this stuff is not just I can bench 400. It's I can bench 300, but I know where the play is going. I wonder if Mahomes, remember when he got ragdolled in the Super Bowl by the Bucks like 50 times? He got thrown around. Maybe he decided I got to gain some weight if I'm going to get thrown around and tossed like Bosa's coming after him. By the way, how old are you? I, I'm not going to reveal that, but uh, I guarantee you, you and I shirtless look better than Tom. No, uh, that, no let's, that, he, it looks fine. No, it doesn't look bad, but I think he can we make look better. All the throws. That's yeah, I we, don't. We cannot make all the throws. Well, you could. I can't school. throw this cup of coffee to you, <laughs> Julian Edelman. Hour three next. <laughs> I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.